0: Today on Laura Lynn and Friends.
1: You know, we've lost medical ethics in Canada completely. Um, You know, I tell people now that we live in a post medical ethics world in Canada.
2: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. A lot going on, Uh, something crazy is happening. some somebody very interesting. I just got a text from Odessa. Somebody is uh, losing the um, losing their job for basically coming out and doing the right thing, and that's not a story that is uncommon in the last. Oh, okay, who is it? New Brunswick Education, New Brunswick Education Minister Cardi, yeah. He has resigned in six days ago and uh he sent a letter but I guess it's kind of hitting the fan um and he sent a letter so I guess what was he standing up oh just you know one after another but what I'm finding is that um you always find your place you always find the next position that you were destined to hold and if I hadn't lost my job on a national broadcast television show um, I wouldn't be doing this today I would not have gone through the whole process to get to where we're at today where I get to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth and none of the scaredy cats get to tell me not to speak you know because sometimes in all honesty Um, God gives us the courage to do something tremendous and the people around us don't have that same courage. And maybe it's not, it's not bad about them necessarily, except that it just wasn't their role. There has to be the people that move out and do what. They know they have to do, you have to speak the truth. And we are going to have uh, Dr. William Mackis on today. And as many of you know, he has been outing the fact that, uh, he started with, I think it was a list of 14 doctors and then it went to 30 some doctors. And now he's at a, a list of 80 doctors, uh, that have passed away, um, for reasons he believes are very suspect. So we're going to get the full, uh, scoop from him is there anything jt that we should run before i head on you know i always read the fossil fuel one yeah i maybe do want to let you know that i came across um well i got this this uh video from somebody who um said it was something that they'd never heard before you know and this is a very knowledgeable person and he said you you've got to see this about fossil fuels like that they're maybe not from fossils this is extremely interesting information, but you know, I always read from my dad's Bible because my dad passed away about a year ago and I miss him so much. We were very kindred spirits and he understood the plight and the fight that I was in. It kind of sometimes scared him, but he knew, he knew I was a stand-up kind of person and he'd worry about me (laughs) and you know, what I was going through, but he believed that God had my back and he let me know that he knew that the good Lord, you know, had a hold of me. So I open the Bible sometimes, um, and so Isaiah 55, he has underlined this. Um, hello, or or it actually it says ho. I mean, it's um it's old school, right? King James. Okay, ho. <laughs> I just wanted to say hello. Everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I don't want to have too much fatness going on. I can tell you that. And I'm like, fighting all that off, you know, keeping it slim, doing my best here. And, um, but I think this is not talking about natural fatness, is it? It's talking about how there is a longing in our souls that will only be satisfied from one place. And when this is talking about, you know, come and buy wine and milk, well, it's the kind of wine and milk that we get from having a very deep and personal relationship with God, because how do we get through all of this when we're hearing every day, when Dr. Peter McCullough is reporting some of the things he's been reporting and thank God, uh, you know, that he's, he's such a courageous man and we've had him on several times. And Dr. Artis puts out this information, it, you know, Dr. Robert Young the other day, uh, talking about the parasites, like these things are alarming to the hugest degree. But how do I have my peace? How do I sleep at night? Or maybe I don't. I put on Bible Gateway. You know, you all know that about me. And I, so I listened to like hours of Psalms last night. It was wonderful. I'm I'm never tired. I get up like hours of of sleep. I just kind of lose, and then I'm not tired in the morning. I feel great. I have my coffee, and onward and upward we go. Um, But I do like filling my mind with good things because we have a lot to get through. So we've got Dr. Mackis coming on. I want to show you this one video about fossil fuels. This should inform you about yet another odd and bizarre uh, lie maybe that we've been led to believe. I've never heard this either. Take a listen.
0: Petroleum wasn't what we thought it was, that it wasn't a fossil fuel, that it didn't come from fossil (laughs) animals. Yeah. Is it just a mineral? Is it a mineral (laughs) like any other mineral? Is that, is that how it, is that how it, uh, what would you say? Uh, How did it, what's the origin of it? You see, when they first found petroleum, uh, because they were beginning to make motors, and and needed on axles of wheels, on railroad trains, and all that sort of thing, And remember, trains started in the beginning of the 19th century. Then oil went from just a lubricant to a fuel, and it made it valuable. And Rockefeller happened to be the smartest man in the business at the time, but he made a lot of most of his money, or much of it, off the transport of the petroleum as well as selling it. But one thing they realized was. If you, because oil, uh, oil is, uh, putting a price on oil is like putting a price on a pail of water. You know, no, no initial cost is in the ground and, and in those days they were, some of it, almost what you would call surface mining the oil. They did not go down deep. So in order to get the price up, they hit on the idea that they would have to make it appear to be scarce. That they, that boy, after we take the next few barrels out we are probably going to have to close as well. You know, that kind of thing. We very fortuitous event. In 1892, there was a convention in Geneva of scientists to determine what organic substances are. Well, the definition of organic is a substance with hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. And so, it's usually a living substance, a tree. You analyze a dead tree, hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen and grass and so on, living things, animals. We are hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. So at this Geneva Convention, Rockefeller took advantage of sending some scientists over who said oil, petroleum, is hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Therefore, it must be derived from the, uh, the spoiling, the rotting of formerly living matter. And uh, playing the game properly, when the this scientific convention was over, they defined oil as the a, a residue from formerly living matter. Well, that makes it a fossil fuel. I don't know why they decided to use the word fossil, but it says formerly living matter. It's fossil. Well, of course, today, and, and another thing we should know is that there has never been a fossil, a, a, a real fossil found below 16,000 feet. And you can't argue at 16,000 as a level line because someplace the ground sinks and so on. But 16 is what the scientists say, 16,000. We mine oil or we, we drill for oil at 30,000, 33,000, 28,000 every day of the week. So, right there, we rule it out that it isn't fossil fuel. Well, um,
2: I, I think that whole thing is fascinating, and you can get it. Can we have it on the flipboard, ready for everyone to watch? Okay, fantastic. Watch the whole thing; it's about eight or twelve minutes. And um, you know, to think that, like he describes the amount of oil and all of that as being the second. Uh, the second largest amount of liquid on the planet. So imagine all of the oceans. Okay, I'm I'm assuming he, he water is like the largest. The second largest is is oil and these these fossil fuels, right? Fossil fuels. Um, so how do we? Okay, if we use gas, like look at how big the ocean is and we've got all this other liquid and yet the the climate people are trying to tell us a whole different thing. So I, I just think it's, you know, it's good to be informed about what is really going on. Now, um, if I can just show you Rumble because we are going to bring on Dr. William Mackis and we are going to have to do most of this interview over here on Rumble. So I'm hoping to educate and inform all of you that I can't be doing some of the information that we, the the truth of what we share is not permitted on certain platforms. Therefore, we're going to have to let those platforms go in a moment. And we are going to continue the entire interview right over here on Rumble. Rumble Rumble.com, Laurel Tyler Thompson. You got the little um, graphic there with my blonde uh, well, there's there's one that's kind of yellow all around my face, and then this other one. And... Oh, and we have the link for this in Facebook and YouTube, um, although I believe that we're staying on Facebook today because they've been really good about just truthful information, and I think that's all it is today. It's very truthful information. And so Dr. William Actus uh, obtained his university degree at McGill University. Before that, he had a bachelor degree in immunology from the University of Toronto. He did his medical specialty degree in nuclear medicine, radiology, and oncology. He practiced as a nuclear medicine physician and was the director in Brandon, Manitoba, before moving to Edmonton to take over a large cancer treatment program where they treated stage four end stage cancer patients, um, uh, neuroendocrine cancer patients with cutting edge treatments, including medical isotope applications developed in Europe that have a very high response rate and a cure rate for cancer patients. Amazing. They actually saved about 80 of the cancer patients either halting or completely eliminating their cancer. Now, all of that is fascinating as well. Dr. Mackis has recently revealed that there are a staggering number of doctors who have passed away since, um, a certain rollout in our country. So we're going to bring, uh, Dr. Macason on right now. And thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you for being able to share this, uh, with us today.
1: Thank you, Laura Lynn, for having
2: me. You're welcome. Um, can, can we start by talking about, I don't want to gloss over that cancer rates are up is what I'm hearing everywhere. And to hear that, you've got this really amazing knowledge and experience in helping people to get over cancer. Can you can you just give us a little bit of that before we get into the weeds today?
1: Certainly. Um, I came to Edmonton, Alberta to work at Cross Cancer Institute, which is, um, you know, one of the large cancer centers here in Alberta. And what really attracted me to Alberta is that we had... Um, access to cutting edge cancer diagnostics and cancer treatments. I became the lead PET-CT radiologist um, in Alberta. Uh, So PET-CT is um, is an imaging uh, modality that's used to diagnose a vast majority of cancers. And I also uh, took over a large cancer program using uh, medical isotopes to treat uh, end-stage cancer patients as you described. Uh, we had tremendous success it was um, approved by health canada and we were really trying to bring this technology here to canada and make it available to all canadians because it had been successfully treating end-stage cancer patients in europe for a decade and unfortunately you know we ran into some roadblocks um in the states the fda actually sat 20 years uh on the approval of of these treatments because they didn't want these treatments cutting into profits for chemotherapy Um, you know the the beauty about our treatments is that we could target radiation directly to tumor cells using um you know peptides that were attached to the radiation that were specific only for tumor cells so you wouldn't damage any surrounding normal tissue and that's not what you get in chemotherapy in chemotherapy you know you get Um, damage to your, you know, blood cells, your bone marrow, your, your normal tissues. So that's why we had such a high response rate. And, you know, we could treat uh, patients as outpatients. So they could come in, have their injection, you know, hang around for an hour to make sure, you know, they didn't have any kind of reaction. They almost never did. And then they'd go home and and go back to their, go back to their lives. So it was uh, incredible. Unfortunately, um, Alberta Health Services, Uh, wanted to uh, eliminate our cancer program because it became apparent that there was tremendous money that could be made uh, by building private clinics. um, And they wanted to build those private clinics in Vancouver, BC. Um, So Rachel Notley's Alberta NDP government actually uh, took very concrete steps to have my program shut down. And now they're rebuilding the same exact program in Vancouver, BC, and it's being funded by the Trudeau government uh, with over $300 million of Canadian taxpayer money. Um, Now, you know, this would have been good news overall if they had just let our cancer program keep going, but um, they wanted to declare themselves the global leaders. Uh, they wanted to attach private clinics um, to the public, um, you know, program where they would effectively treat foreign nationals, um, you know, most likely from China and India, because that they would have very easy access to Vancouver, charge them anywhere from $100,000 to $500,000 uh, per treatment. And, you know, um, a lot of politicians and healthcare executives uh, are invested in this right now. They're calling it uh, precision medicine uh, because the cancer t- treatments are very precise. Uh, they want to get it going and and label the the whole program as uh, you know a BC center for precision medicine. Um, they're calling themselves a global leader. Um, you know, it's on the Canadian government website that Justin Trudeau has invested um, you know tremendous amounts of money into this, um, and so unfortunately uh, we were sacrificed. Um, you know, to get these programs going in BC so they could have a monopoly and call themselves a global leader. Wow.
2: Well, that is an interesting bombshell. Um, We are going to be talking about Prime Minister Trudeau and another little issue to do with the Barry and Honey Sherman murders. And we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. Some very interesting Things that I've been following now for three or four years on what happened there some things have come to light you know uh, dr. Mackis that's very sad so are you saying in Edmonton you can no longer offer this amazing life-saving treatment
1: we offered these treatments um, in Alberta from 2011 until 2015 uh, when our cancer program was sabotaged by Alberta Health Services executives who were hired by the uh, newly elected uh, NDP leader, Rachel Notley. Uh, she had just won uh, you know, the election in May 2015. And by December 2015, the Alberta Health Services executives that she put into place sabotaged our cancer program. Now, of course, by that point, uh, Justin Trudeau and, and his liberal government had been elected federally. Uh, and so, um, you know, um, there were doctors who tried to keep the program going. Um, they didn't have the expertise and they didn't have really the, the, the time uh, to do so. And the program lasted about one more year. Then Health Canada came down, did an investigation, saw that patients were not being treated uh, properly at all. Uh, Many patients had been left to die without, um, you know, any access to cancer treatment. And they actually shut the program down. Um, And so since 2017, these cancer treatments have not been available in Canada to anybody. And meanwhile, you know, there's cancer centers going up in the States. Um, In 2017, I interviewed at Stanford University. I interviewed at uh, um, Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, Mount Sinai, a university in uh, New York, and, and, and a lot of these um, large cancer centers were very interested in, um, in this technology and getting their own cancer treatment programs going. And unfortunately, what happened was, um, because um, you know, the Trudeau government was so desperate to have a monopoly on this um, in Vancouver, BC, Um, The College of Physicians and Surgeons of of Alberta actually came after my medical license and took my medical license hostage so that I couldn't actually leave Alberta and start a program like this anywhere else in North America. So effectively, they've held my medical license hostage since then. Uh, They've attacked me. They've smeared me. uh, They've threatened my family. They've threatened my children. Um, They framed me with a bogus complaint at the college, Um, And then they basically, um, you know, ran up these charges, took me through a hearing tribunal where they ran up penalty fees of $70,000, extorted me and my family with these fees. Um, I had a lawsuit by that time against Alberta Health Services. And they said, you know, if you don't don't pay this penalty, uh, we're going to suspend your license. We also want you to undergo psychiatric uh, testing with one of our doctors to see if you're even mentally fit to practice medicine. And if you don't do that, we'll suspend your license. So they were doing everything possible to try to get my medical license suspended for the reason so that I couldn't go elsewhere and start these programs and you know treat patients somewhere else, uh, whether, whether it would be Stanford, whether it would be New York. Uh, UNC Chapel Hill had interviewed me and actually offered me a job Um, and they absolutely did not want me uh, treating cancer patients anywhere else. Um, and so they've damaged my medical license, uh, they've damaged my medical career, uh, and so now both Alberta health services and the college of physicians of Alberta are facing two lawsuits that were greenlit by the court of Queens bench of Alberta. These lawsuits are ongoing and, um, you know, we have a lot of documentation of malfeasance by public health officials in Alberta.
2: Wow. So we pray for justice for you. And uh, that that is unbelievable. And I absolutely had no idea um, uh, about all of that. Um, although I had heard that there was some difficulties that you were saying about how some mistreatment and also just, you know, the threats to your livelihood, your family and all of that. It has become a dangerous world, hasn't it? To, to enter into that medical area where big pharma really has such huge profits and they become so powerful that not even a cure for cancer or helping people to be well will, um, you you know, will be the path that they'll take. They'll rather, sacrifice it all so that they can go down another path which brings in the money
1: exactly Uh, unfortunately medicine in canada has become heavily politicized Um, and of course you know most things are driven by profit Uh, so really the patient is not the priority um, in healthcare. it is uh you know profit uh, and power um, and really whether you have the right political connections or not so in alberta Interestingly, Alberta Health Services has been run by executives who are loyal to the um, Alberta NDP government uh, that was previously led by Rachel Notley, and, of course, to the federal Trudeau liberal government, and that's where their political loyalties lie. Now, we've had a conservative government for the past three years run by uh, Jason Kenney, and he left all of these NDP and liberal executives in charge of Alberta's healthcare system. In fact, uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, who is the public health official in Alberta, who has been you know, guiding Alberta through the pandemic, is, was actually uh, hired by Alberta NDP Premier Rachel Notley. Uh, you know, she wasn't hired by the Conservatives. And you know, she was given uh, tremendous powers during the pandemic. Uh, you know, we had uh, very kind of vicious lockdowns. We had attacks on Christian pastors Uh, You know, some of whom were arrested. I mean, this was really an unprecedented abuses of human rights that we suffered during the pandemic. Um, You know, during the lockdowns, we had restaurant owners, cafe owners who were shut down uh, or arrested, pursued. And all of these abuses were done by Alberta Health Services and their lawyers uh, and Dina Hinshaw, um, as the public health official had to put her signature on it. But when I looked at it closely, um, all the legal activity that was being undertaken against Albertans was being carried out by Alberta Health Services and healthcare executives and their legal teams, their large corporate legal teams. Now, of course, all of these executives have, you know, relationships and connections to Big Pharma. And, you know, they were allowed to basically run loose uh, during the pandemic, given tremendous powers and, you know, carried out abuses, horrific abuses against Alberta citizens. Um, So, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, the conservative government was either unable or unwilling to step in and protect Albertans when, you know, they needed to be
0: protected.
2: You're so right. And I guess you're celebrating then Danielle Smith basically uh, removing her from her position. Uh, That's a very good positive thing. Yeah.
1: You know, and she did that on day one. um, And she removed, well, she announced that she will be removing uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw. And if you imagine, you know, Jason Kenney had three years to do this, and he, he could have removed her because she works primarily for the Ministry of Health of the government. Uh, She doesn't work for Alberta Health Services. Um, Now she may have to answer to certain healthcare executives at Alberta Health Services, but she is employed by the Ministry of Health. So Jason Kenney should have fired her uh, in 2019. Um, And if he didn't realize that, you know, she was going to do some damage during the pandemic, then at least once the pandemic started and, you know, it became apparent that Dina Hinshaw was going to go along in lockstep with the abuses that, you know, were pursued by big pharma all across Canada, whether it was vaccines or vaccine mandates, Um, you know, he should have fired her then. And, and he didn't, he completely abdicated his responsibility as Alberta premier. And, you know, now we have uh, Danielle Smith who on day one said Dina Hinshaw is out. And that's amazing. And, and, you know, that is something that Jason Kenney should have done a long time ago. And he failed to.
2: Jason Kenney turned out to be such such a a disappointment to so many who believed that maybe he was that conservative leader. But he clearly has something else going on. No one's quite sure, Uh, you know, uh, uh, hard to speculate on why these things happen, but clearly when somebody makes decision after decision that makes no sense for the people, you begin to wonder how they are compromised. And he truly was uh, a failure in, uh, on every side. And I know my friends from Alberta are just celebrating that he's gone. He probably, some people feel he has eyes on being the prime minister one day. Well, good luck with that because he's a complete dismal, absolute gargantuan. Failure. So uh, I appreciate all your thoughts on that, and I'm so sorry for what you've been through. We will stand with you, Dr. Mackis. Uh, you are very courageous, and you are highlighting some things that are going on in our um, in our world. And so we have released already the uh, the YouTubers, and we hope that uh, they're going to follow us, and they'll be over on Rumble by now. And uh, Dr. Maccus, it came to light, you started following, how did you even pick up on it? You have highlighted that doctors at, I I would say, unprecedented amounts, I suppose, um, have been passing away and it's not explained. I mean, let me let you tell it. How did you first sort of begin tracking this?
1: It, it, it came to my attention in a late... Uh, late uh, of 2021 last year, um, we had a situation where uh, two doctors had, two very young doctors had died uh, suddenly or unexpectedly right after taking their booster shot. Um, This was on November 8th, uh, 2021. We had a New Brunswick cardiologist, 52-year-old Dr. Sohrab Luchmediel had died uh, two weeks after taking his booster shot and then in December we had a uh, family doctor in Toronto, 48 years old, Dr. Neil Singh Dala, who died uh, three days after taking his booster shot. And incredibly, both of them died in their sleep. And you know, when that happens, you 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 right away realize, okay, that there's something very wrong there. Um, first of all, you have the proximity of their deaths um, to the booster shot that they took, um, and then you have the fact that they just died in their sleep. Um, you know, and and one is 52 years old the other one is 48 years old um and and this right away you know was a red flag for me um and i raised serious concerns about this on twitter uh in december of 2021 and that's when it really uh i think hit a lot of people's radars um it was only two doctors and at the time i didn't realize that this had actually been going on Um, Since the rollout of the vaccines, um, you know, at the end of December of 2020. So this had already been going on for a year, but it only really hit my attention um, after these sudden deaths, um, after the booster shot. And so, um, unfortunately, um, you know, I did post about it several times on Twitter, but then a few months later, Twitter shut down my account because I raised concerns about Pfizer vaccines' uh, efficacy in children five to 11 years old. And I had just quoted a CNBC article um, that had, um, you know, Uh, reported on a study that was done that showed after a few months, uh, children 5 to 11 years old, that the mRNA uh, uh, Pfizer vaccine efficacy was only 12%. And, um, you know, after six months, the vaccine efficacy became negative, uh, which meant that kids who had been vaccinated were getting sicker uh, more frequently than kids who were unvaccinated. Um, And because the vaccines were just being rolled out in that population, um, it became apparent that there was tremendous censorship against anybody who was trying to speak out and raise concerns about mRNA vaccination in kids. And so they shut down my account and they said, we're shutting it down because you raised concerns about mRNA vaccines in kids 5 to 11 years old. And Once Twitter shut down my account, all of my Twitter posts disappeared, including the posts about doctors dying suddenly and unexpectedly. And so, you know, this topic didn't come up until uh, July of this year, uh, when we had the sudden deaths of three young doctors at a Mississauga hospital in Ontario. And what happened was um, they died within days of each other and within days of the rollout of the second booster shot. And uh, uh, fortunately, a healthcare worker had leaked memos, internal hospital memos that talked about these deaths. Uh, these deaths were not made public, um, and there was a tremendous uh, interest in this. You know, how is this happening? Why is this happening? You know, then we had an emergency doctor from Toronto, Dr. Paul Hammond, 50 years old, who's an Olympic athlete, former Olympian. Um, and a person who was doing regular triathlons just died while he was running. He, he was going for a fun run and he dropped dead. And that happened at the same time as these three other doctors. Uh, and so the media then had to come out and acknowledge that yes, these deaths, doctor deaths did happen. Uh, but they realized that there was uh, tremendous chatter on social media about the, the possible role of the vaccines in these deaths. And so the mainstream media tried to get ahead of it and, and they said, oh, well, uh, you know, we don't believe it was related to the vaccine, um, even though no autopsies had been done on any of these doctors. Um, and then, you know, very shortly after, you had a 27 year old doctor, Candace Naiman, from Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, she was a triathlete and she collapsed uh, while she was doing a triathlon um, during the swimming portion. She collapsed. Uh, they rushed her to the hospital. She stayed a few days in the ICU and then she died in the ICU. They couldn't save her. And so here was another doctor, 27 years old, that had just died. And so, you know, by the time, um, you know, um, end of July came around, you you you've had, you know, 11 doctors that had died suddenly or unexpectedly. So, uh, you know, I came back to my uh, information. I, I I dived into it. I put it together and I... You know, I put out a report, a quick report on 13 doctors that had died suddenly or unexpectedly. Um, there was tremendous interest in it um, and it just continued. It just continued. And, and so, um, you know, I continued researching and about a month later, um, I put out an update uh, at the beginning of September um, and it was 32 doctors that had died suddenly or unexpectedly that I had found. And that really just um, exploded interest um, internationally. So
2: shocking. Yeah, and internationally, that's when I noticed that people were beginning to talk about this worldwide and uh, different posts from different places mentioning this. And so you would have begun to get, uh, you know, some um, people would want to be hearing from you on how you would put all of this together. And so, and then your... Your investigation into this never stopped there, of course, that you're kind of on onto something now. And I have a feeling, I mean, it could get worse before it gets better. Uh, can you tell me when you began to put this out, what is the effect on your personal life uh, with your, your work and, and all of that? Like, um, what, what happens Do people begin calling you out or what happens? <sighs>
1: What happened was, um, you know, I was just flooded. I was flooded with emails, messages. Um, I would receive messages, you know, on my LinkedIn. Um, You know, I'd have, uh, you know, people text me because I had actually brought this to the attention of the Canadian Medical Association that 32 doctors had died suddenly or unexpectedly. And I had, you know, requested that they urgently look into this, uh, call for a halt of all vaccine mandates in healthcare in Canada. And that really, we needed an investigation to see what was going on. That doctors were dying at unprecedented rates, and you know, my email was just flooded with hundreds of, of emails a day, and and it was all supportive. Um, you know, I received tremendous support from the medical community in Canada, and I have to say, mostly nurses, uh, nurses that saw what was going on in their workplace, and they said, "Look, uh, we have to stay anonymous because we're afraid for our job." Um, you know, please keep us anonymous, but we're supporting you. Uh, let us know what we can do. Um, so that was incredible to see. And, and, I, and I received a lot of support from doctors internationally, uh, doctors from Germany, you know, South Africa, India, uh, Spain, um, you know, countries that I wouldn't have expected that this information would have reached. Uh, and they were thanking me for for bringing this you know to their attention and and really they said this is this is very important. We need to be talking about this, and thank you for for talking about this and Then I had a number of people who said, "Look, we want to help you you know in any way way we can um you know just tell us what to do, what can we do um, you know People started sending me obituaries, people started sending me uh, people whose own doctors had died. they said, "Look, my doctor died." they had just taken their shot, Um, something happened, Uh, you know, they were previously healthy, you know, can you please look into it? So I ended up putting together a team of people. And fortunately, you know, because uh, I am currently retired, um, I was actually had some time to be able to take a deep dive into this. And so we put together a team of people um, who started really doing a tremendous amount of work. And one gentleman who, um, you know, whose name is Michael, but otherwise wishes to remain anonymous at this time, spent hundreds of hours uh, poring over official um, um, records of, of of medical websites. And um, I want to tell you, you know, uh, an, the incredible work that he did. Um, he had gone on the Canadian Medical Association website, and he used the Wayback Machine to recover. Um, all uh, physician death data that apparently the Canadian Medical Association has been quietly deleting from their website. So the Canadian Medical Association keeps uh, quite an extensive in memoriam page um, that reports on you know doctors that had passed away recently. And when he went back and used the Wayback Machine, he realized, wait a minute, the Canadian Medical Association has been deleting hundreds of these, these entries. Um, and you know they were available at some point and now they're no longer available. Um, so he recovered 970 doctor deaths that he put together. And then um, we looked at other sources, the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons, which is based in Ontario, the provincial medical associations, um, the colleges themselves will sometimes um, put on the doctor's license that the doctor is deceased, and every medical school in Canada and every medical school alumni association, which sometimes reports on their former graduates who had passed away. So we ended up with a huge database of 1,638 Canadian doctor deaths that had occurred over the past four years. Uh, We had gone back um, to the last four years so that we could actually make a comparison and see, okay, are doctors really dying at much higher rates? Uh, Are we just imagining this? Is it, you know, or or is is this normal or is this abnormal? Um, And basically the last two months I've spent analyzing the data. I've gone over uh, pretty much every entry and, you know, we cross referenced it to publicly available obituaries And what we found out is the following, as we found out that under the age of 70, uh, actively practicing doctors, 80 had died suddenly or unexpectedly, and another 60 had died who had previous medical conditions um, such as a cancer that was diagnosed before the vaccine rollout. Uh, They may have had ALS or Parkinson's disease, uh, or, you know, dementia or other chronic illnesses. Um, so those 60 were excluded uh, or placed in a separate, separate database. Um, and then I put out the report on the 80 doctors who had died suddenly or unexpectedly. And then we looked at, um, okay, how does this compare to previous years? Because one of the, you know, ways that I've been attacked is that the, the doctors who've been really pushing aggressively Pfizer and Moderna vaccines um, and, and using Twitter and other social media to do so, they said, this is all fake, this is all nonsense. The doctors, uh, you know, doctors always die and they're not dying at you know increased rates and this is all uh, conspiracy nonsense. And what we found when we really analyzed the data closely is that um, there are increased deaths in every age category, and it gets worse and worse the younger you get. So when we looked at doctors under the age of 50, um, in the year 2021, they died at double the rate compared to 2020 or 2019. And the same is going to be true for this year as well. And however, the younger you go, the much worse it gets. If you look at all doctors under the age of 40 this year they are dying at five times the rate compared to 2020 and 2019 when you look at the doctors under the age of 30 they're dying at a rate eight times uh, as high compared to 2019 and 2020 and i think what we have to realize is that you know in 2020 the pandemic was already raging Um, you know we had several waves um in the pandemic and still doctors are dying at rates that are double five times or eight times as high uh, as 2020 or 2019. Um, And so really this is uh, shocking. Um, You know, we just had McMaster University uh, come out and admit publicly that three of their medical students and medical residents died suddenly or unexpectedly just this past summer. And these medical residents were aged 25, 27, and 32 years old. Um, Now, I can, you know, certainly speak, you know, from my experience as a doctor, I've never heard of anything like this um, in my entire career. Um, And I've practiced medicine in Quebec, in Manitoba, in uh, Alberta and BC, and I've never heard of this. Uh, And I would you know, really ask any other healthcare worker if they've heard of a one single medical school, you know, losing three young doctors dying suddenly or unexpectedly in one summer. Um, You know, to me that's unprecedented, it's shocking. And so I've sent a follow-up letter to the Canadian Medical Association. I've informed them of all of this uh, information. Unfortunately, you know, they've ignored my letters uh, really for the past two months. Uh, they've been contacted by journalists from Rebel News, from Western Standard. Um, they've been contacted um, even by American philanthropist uh, Stephen Kirsch, um, who has really taken an interest in this and and you know finds it absolutely shocking. He has sent them numerous um, you know emails asking them to at least comment on this. You know um, what is your what is your comment on this? And yeah, the what's Canadian. The And the Canadian Medical Association has stayed completely silent. Um, You know, there's a current CMA president, Dr. Alika LaFontaine, who's very active on Twitter, uh, who hasn't said a word about this. In fact, the Canadian Medical Association just hosted the International uh, Conference on Physician Health in Orlando, Florida, which they co-host with the uh, American Medical Association. They give all kinds of speeches and talks about physician health and they did not once mention that Canadian doctors are dying at unprecedented rates and really dying suddenly and unexpectedly many many of these deaths are extremely bizarre when you look at it is you know you have people dying while they're cycling while they're you know out for a jog while they're swimming i mean this summer we had three doctors who died while they were swimming one of them in a public pool in Saskatchewan You know, another one, the triathlete who had been doing triathlons all the time, she collapses in the swimming portion and dies, you know, and the third one was taking a swim in the river, uh, which I've been notified, you know, that this is a place that, you know, kids go swimming and, you know, he started struggling um, and was swept away and drowned. Um, You know, you have doctors dying in their sleep, many doctors dying in their sleep, doctors in their forties and fifties with no prior health conditions, um, you know, they go lie down and never wake up. And so, you know, and then of course you have, uh, you know, several doctors who've developed very aggressive, uh, sometimes very rare cancers that claim their life, uh, you know, in less than a year. And this often happens after they've taken two or three Covid vaccine shots, um, very very aggressive. You know unusual cancers. Um, you know we've had uh, doctors who have died of stroke. Um, I included two car crash victims who died in very bizarre car accidents where they may have had a stroke-like incident because, you know, it was during the day. Um, and they were involved in a car crash where they were the only fatality. And the other party in, in the car accident walked away with no injuries at all. And, you know, one doctor was 24 years old and another one was 43 years old. And, and so both of them were involved very bizarre car crashes. You know, we've seen, uh, TV presenters collapsing on air, you know, from what appears to be stroke, like uh, stroke, like events. Um, and just, you know, collapsing out of the blue. Um, and this has been happening more and more frequently. So I've included those on my list, uh, you know, I, and I've been attacked for that. And I've been attacked for including, you know, some of these very rare and aggressive cancers on my list. And look, I'm an oncologist. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, this is these kinds of cancers that arise um, that are either rare or they progress very rapidly. That's very, very unusual and suspect to me as an oncologist. And so I would definitely want to see more information about this. Um, you know, we need autopsies. We need, we need to see what is going on with these deaths. And the doctors who are pushing mRNA vaccines on Twitter, uh, their response has been um, absolutely abhorrent. They make fun of this. Uh, they make jokes about this um you know they say it's fake it's conspiracy theories it's nonsense they attack me personally you know they attack they engage in vicious personal attacks against me i've had people who have you know tracked down my my po box that i use you know uh for all my legal documentation and you know they've posted uh, google earth pictures there's this group of alberta doctors called the alberta md war room and they've taken it upon themselves uh, not just to engage in vicious uh, personal attacks against me and smearing, but they've tracked down my mailing box, uh, posted uh, you know Google Earth pictures of that, um, you know, and and just um, all they do is is engage in personal attacks. And it's you know to me that's just um, that's just disgusting behavior. Um, you know, these are our colleagues. I'm a physician. And these are all physicians who've lost their lives. You know, there's they looked after thousands of patients, each of them. Um, these are huge losses to the community. And I, I don't think it's something that should be mocked or made fun of or, or ignored. Or
2: ignored. Um, yeah. You know, uh, this for me makes an even greater case for this mass formation psychosis that Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone has spoken of uh, and uh, Matthias Desmond. um, And you know, some people take issue with uh, some of the ways that they present or, or whatever, but there seems to be like, that makes no sense for doctors to be so angry at you for pointing out that we seem to have a problem here. Like, Houston, we have a problem and, and you're just giving good information. And yet, instead of going, wow, what is that all about? Hey, Dr. Mackus, I see the great work you're doing. Um, maybe I don't agree with it. Listen, maybe you need to consider that, you know, uh, a lot of people die and it's been a bad year or something. It's just, you know, it's an abnormality, but I don't think there's anything to this. They could say that instead it's this, absolute attack, which we are seeing that viciousness, which has really been started by Prime Minister Trudeau against the unvaccinated. And I think that underneath all of this is that brewing hatred and anger. And I do mean hatred because some people on the Star uh, in in Toronto, they posted a, a front page cover of all of the Horrific things that have been said against the unvaccinated. I mean, you wouldn't allow someone to put up this kind of garbage against any other people group, but it seems to be perfectly uh, acceptable to do it against this group. And now to see doctors not wanting information, you get the feeling that, I, and I do think that all of us, first of all, everyone listening, you should share, share this video immediately immediately. And if you know your doctor's email, share it to your doctor's email. Also, uh, print out the, the, the letter that Dr. Mackis has written, which includes all of the doctor's names, everything known. And, you know, with this interview, get it to your doctor and see what they say. Uh, the, the problem is, is that so many people just want to stay. It's better just, I mean, they've all taken, they're probably going for their third or fourth shot or even more now. So they don't want to see the truth.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, I'm glad you brought up the, the Toronto Star and, and you know, the, the, the really nasty article that they ran uh, about the unvaccinated individuals saying, let them die. Um, you know, the person who's been l- sort of leading the charge in personal attacks against me and really trying to ridicule this, mock this and have this silenced is Dr. Michelle Cohen, who is a family doctor in Ontario, who's actually a regular contributor to the Toronto Star. And she is well known for writing a hit piece articles uh, about doctors who've raised concerns about mRNA vaccines. She has smeared, um, you know, Dr. Charles Hoff, Dr. Stephen Malthouse, Dr. Patrick Phillips in Ontario, Dr. Jean-Marc Benoit, Um, You know, uh, Dr. uh, Brian Brittle, um, she has really smeared many of these doctors who, you know, were courageous and brave and have spoken up, um, you know, about concerns about mRNA vaccines. So interestingly enough, this uh, doctor, family doctor who has, you know, ties to the Toronto Star, is really leading the charge in attacking me and making sure that uh, other like-minded doctors um, like her join in the attacks and really, um, you know, attack me personally, uh, try to smear me professionally, um, and 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 you know, it's it's um, it's just shocking to me that uh, something like this would even happen, that it would it would, it would even cross her mind to do this. Uh, Because, you know, as you said, these are these are our colleagues, Um, you know, doctors have been uh, forced into vaccine mandates, Uh, I would say the vast majority of doctors have probably taken four shots by now. Um, And I've seen doctors talk about taking their fifth shot or, or, you know, booking themselves for their fifth shot. And, you know, there's vaccine mandates that are active still, you know, throughout Canada. Um, In in, in almost every province, Um, we've pushed back in Alberta and managed to push back on the vaccine mandates uh, against healthcare workers. But, uh, you know, there's there's a very aggressive push to keep these vaccine mandates going and really have all the doctors immediately vaccinated up to date, um, which means, you know, four or five jabs by now and now we have Dr. Theresa Tam co- coming out and saying that if you want to be up to date on your vaccines, covid vaccines, that you might have to get vaccinated every 3 months. And you know, with all the mountain of evidence that we're seeing about vaccine injuries that is coming out, you know, the idea that we would be aggressively pushing vaccine mandates in healthcare and on top of that forcing doctors to vaccinate every 3 months. When we have doctors dying at unprecedented rates, you know, like I said, twice the rate under the age of 50, five times the rate under the age of 40, and eight times the rate under the age of 30, um, you know, I, I don't understand this mentality that you know we would continue in this in this direction. Um, so you know, I've tried to bring this to the attention of the Canadian Medical Association. They keep ignoring it for now. And I'll tell you a very interesting story that, that happened very recently. Um, one of the former presidents of the Canadian Medical Association um, who was the president from 2018 to 2019, so just before the pandemic, Dr. Gigi Osler was just appointed by Justin Trudeau to the Canadian Senate. Now, when you look at Dr. Gigi Osler's Twitter feed, she has spent uh, most of 2021 and 22 aggressively pushing and promoting the Moderna mRNA vaccine. She posted a picture of herself taking the Moderna vaccine, um, and she then posted a TikTok video uh, administering the Moderna vaccine to her teenage daughter. And during the video, she is actually making fun of and mocking um, vaccine-injured people. You know, she said that, oh, look, uh, I just uh, gave the Moderna vaccine to my daughter and she's not magnetic. And look, uh, magnets are not sticking to her arm. (laughs) Ha ha ha. You know, very funny. And what really what she's doing in that video is that she's mocking, you know, people who've been injured by the vaccine um, and just making a complete mockery out of vaccine injuries. On top of that, it is extremely unethical to be, you know, personally promoting a pharmaceutical product. She's an actively practicing doctor. She is personally promoting it, um, you know, through her personal use, but also by showing that, you know, she was injecting it in her teenage daughter. Um, you know, all of this is highly unethical conduct, and I would say unprofessional conduct, uh, unbecoming of a physician. And here we see that she gets rewarded by justin trudeau who handpicked her to sit on the canadian senate and so we now see a revolving door between the healthcare bureaucracy that has been abusive to frontline doctors and has really aggressively pushed these vaccine mandates on doctors many of whom didn't want these vaccines and didn't want to take them And these bureaucrats who've been aggressively pushing this are being rewarded by the Trudeau government with now political appointments. And so the current uh, Canadian Medical Association president, Dr. Alika LaFontaine, congratulated her on this appointment. And he said, oh, maybe one of us will soon become prime minister of Canada one day, meaning that one of the leaders of the Canadian Medical Association Will, will become the Prime Minister of Canada one day. I mean, this is the narcissism and the hubris that we see in our healthcare leadership where you know they will ignore their own colleagues dying um, you know, unexpectedly and suddenly at record rates, but they will be daydreaming about promotions, uh, political promotions, and maybe even aspiring to be the Prime Minister of Canada. And so I've just been very disturbed by these, you know, recent developments and, and shocked. And, you know, this doctor who's daydreaming about, you know, becoming prime minister one day is the one who is ignoring all of these deaths.
2: Absolutely disgusting. And you're right. Where is the concern about the uptick in deaths of doctors, especially younger doctors, uh, by Dr. Michelle Cohen? Where is Dr. Teresa Tam opening an investigation to be sure that we're covering all the bases and what is going on to make sure that there's safety? And and even past that, we, we understand, you know, all of the other safety and the, the data that's coming out daily, whether it's from Israel or other places in the, in the country that are literally um, stopping and like dead stop to some of these shots going to people that are under, um, is that, uh, you should, you should yeah. Doug Ford. yep Oh, okay. Doug exactly. We're going to bring up right now, uh, Doug Ford.
0: Just hold that, uh, yeah. All done. Well,
2: so you see that that that's the mocking he he pretends oh yeah oh you know i've just died um yeah not funny i guess for parents uh where you know there's well over 150 kids on the VARS reports that have actually passed away from the vaccine reported on on the VARS reports um th- is this nothing is this not worthy of some investigation when people's lives are at stake, or do people like Dr. Michelle Cohen just have you know too much going for them to, to really care about humanity anymore?
1: And honestly, like this is this is a great example what uh, Doug Ford just did on camera. This is a great example of how these people feel about the vaccine injured and those who have died, um, you know, from the vaccines. To them, this is funny that they're mocking they're mocking all of us really. Um, and you know, to them, this is this is a big joke. But you know, it, it, it's 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 um, horrific. You know, you know, we're seeing more and more reports of of um, excess mortality, um, of um, you know injuries and deaths, um, really all across the world. You know, we just had um, a UK cardiologist, Dr. Asim Malhotra come out and say that you know he has reanalyzed the Pfizer data and that the side effect profile, the injuries are just unacceptable, that you know the, the vaccines should be stopped immediately. He's gone even as far as to say that any excess heart attacks, strokes, or or you know other unexplained deaths may be attributable to you know to the mRNA vaccines. Uh, so he has called for a complete halt, a moratorium on, on, on the COVID vaccines. Uh, of course, in this, you know, he has been joined by Dr. Peter McCullough from the United States, um, you know, another uh, cardiologist. And, and, and these are specialists, you know, th- these are highly respected specialists in their fields uh, who are, you know, really taking a courageous stand and saying, "Look, this has to be halted until we have proper, independent investigations of why all these adults, um, and you know now teenagers as well, are dying suddenly and unexpectedly." Um, you know, I'm especially troubled by um, you know the young medical residents and students who are dying at unprecedented rates, um, and you know, I sort of feel for them, uh, for all medical residents and students personally, because. Uh, I remember when we had the H1N1 outbreak at McGill um, in Quebec in 2009. I was a resident at McGill uh, University. I was a a fourth year resident. And I remember at one point the edict came down that we all have to get vaccinated with this new H1N1 vaccine. And there was no explanation, uh, no choice offered. Uh, No one could have exempted themselves from this. They said, you have to go line up and take your vaccine. And that's that. That's final. And, and so, you know, here you are, a medical resident just struggling to get through med school. Uh, you know, you have your whole career ahead of you. You're not going to jeopardize your career by, you know, saying no or, or, or saying to the authorities, well, look, I have some serious concerns. I don't want to take this shot. And, you know, there's, there's tremendous peer pressure as well. So I remember having to go and line up with my classmates and we all took the shot and, you know, fortunately, you know, um, I didn't have any side effects and, and, you know, my classmates didn't have any side effects at the time. And this was a, a classical vaccine at the time, you know, made in a, in a sort of a classical manner. This wasn't brand new technology that we have with mRNA where we absolutely don't know the long-term effects. Uh, we certainly don't even know the mid-term effects and short-term we're seeing you know, uh, a side effect profile with injuries and deaths that is unlike any other pharmaceutical um, that has ever been brought to market. Uh, so I really feel for these poor, um, you know, medical students and medical residents who are pressured really at the threat of their own careers, of their own futures, uh, that they have to take the be up to date on their vaccines, or they might be kicked out of medical school or residency. Uh, And to me, I think that is a that is an absolute crime uh, committed by the medical schools that they implemented vaccine mandates on their young students. And now we see young doctors dying at a rate eight times higher compared to 2019 and 2020.
2: What is wrong with everyone? Um, This, you know, I do sometimes feel like I'm living in some sort of psyop world. That that everything in our lives changed with 2020, finding out about COVID, and then COVID being used to implement something that seems to be outside of the realm of common sense, and and something has seized our world, and nothing makes sense anymore, and we can't even trust our doctors. So many of the people that now. Uh, f- follow my show right and say, they just pray that they don't have to go to a hospital because they don't even trust any of the help. They don't even, they don't even know these doctors anymore what's going on. And, and this is really showing the apathy and some kind of, um, inability to, to discern the times that we're in. And it's shocking. And, uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Mackis, you are truly a hero to us and we want you to know that as much bad as you're receiving, you have got a nation uh, of truth lovers that absolutely appreciate the sacrifice that you're making, that you will not shut up, that you will keep talking, that you will let your voice be heard. because. Through you doing that, we're sharing, sharing, sharing. Everyone, I'm asking you to please share this video. And if you can get it to a doctor, even better. This has been absolutely riveting, I have to say. Um, And so I uh, thank you very much for being here. I'll give you any final word that you might have before we close off, if there's anything that we haven't covered. And I do hope that you'll be able to join us again, because I have a feeling this isn't the last of it.
1: Certainly, thank you very much. And honestly, I've just been um, really, um, you know, uh, encouraged by the, the by the show of support. Um, you know, I get emails every single day, emails of support, people thanking me, um, people saying that they're going to print it out in their doctor's waiting room, that they're going to send it to their family doctor. Um, I actually have had healthcare workers who said that they now feel courageous enough that they can uh, print it out and post it in their workplace um which you know is again it's it's you know you're taking a risk and and so on but uh there's been tremendous tremendous support um from you know people from all walks of life Uh, and i'm really truly appreciative of it um like i said i've been flooded with um you know emails from from really from nurses which has been you know tremendous and and really wonderful to see uh, nurses who are, you know, either have been damaged um, because they can't work, or they've lost their jobs, um, or they've they've had their jobs threatened. You know, some of them are forced into early retirement, and 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 you know they see what's 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 going on. And nurses have pushed back much much, um, you know, better and in much greater numbers than Canadian doctors have. You know, Canadian doctors, you know, other than the few doctors who who've been speaking up um you know at, at a great uh risk to their careers and and their medical licenses uh you know but where are the other ninety two thousand canadian doctors i mean we have ninety two thousand doctors in canada and there's you know 10 15 of us speaking out uh, about this you know there should be hundreds thousands of canadian doctors speaking up and pushing back and and really we have to push back because what i realize is that um, the Politicians and and health executives, um, they're not going to give this MRNA uh, technology up. Um, What you're seeing is the Trudeau government is investing into MRNA factories that are being built in Quebec. Uh, There's talk about another one being built in uh, Vancouver or, or British Columbia and um you know there's tremendous uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of investment going into building facilities that will produce more mrna vaccines and not just covid vaccines but you know flu shots uh, hiv vaccines uh now they're now they're now moderna is pushing mrna vaccines that will repair uh the cardiac damage that was caused by your covid vaccine um so unfortunately the Corrupt health authorities and the politicians are uh, not giving this up. And, you know, I want to leave you just with one uh, anecdote. The latest entry in the database of of my 80 doctors who died suddenly or unexpectedly was a 45 year old psychiatrist, Dr. Michael Marshall um, in Alberta. Uh, He was actually specializing in the LGBTQ community. And he died suddenly or unexpectedly at the age of 45. Um, you know, he had a number of children. Uh, he had come from United Kingdom to practice in, in Canada. And what you saw was um, Rachel Notley had come out and said, oh, this is such a tremendous loss to, you know, for us and for the community and for Alberta. You know, what a, what a shocking loss. Um, and, you know, it's such a tragedy. And then in the next posts, she went right back to pushing, get vaccinated, get boosted, get your shots, uh, and aggressively pushing the mRNA vaccines. And in fact, you know, uh, Rachel Notley has come out and publicly said that she wants to put together medical teams who will go door to door vaccinating Albertans who, you know, either are not up to date on their COVID shots or have never taken a COVID shot. She literally wants to go door-to-door vaccinating individuals and she continues to aggressively push mRNA vaccines. Um, She continues to ignore vaccine injuries, vaccine deaths, even when we are having You know, deaths happen to doctors um, who then she praises and says, yes, this is a great loss, but she completely ignores um, all the data that's pouring in. You know, in Alberta, the number one cause of death, and I think it's over 3,000 deaths in the past year, is unknown. Is unknown. That's the number one cause of death in Alberta. And who's investigating it? Nobody. Um, the Alberta health services, uh, executives are ignoring it. In fact, um, I've been told that there has been a tremendous push to avoid autopsies altogether. Um, so that, you know, um, doctors are instructed not to conduct autopsies. Right. Um, the college of physicians and surgeons of Alberta is completely ignoring these, uh, vaccine injuries and deaths. Now, we've had we've just had the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario tell their doctors that, oh, if you have patients who don't want to take the COVID vaccine, you should consider putting them on psychiatric medication. And this is the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario basically saying that people who don't want to take the COVID shot um, or are unvaccinated completely that there might be something mentally wrong that they might need to be put on psychiatric medication. These are gross violations of medical ethics. Um, You know, this is just I mean, you know, we've lost medical ethics in Canada completely. Um, You know, I tell people now that we live in a post medical ethics world in Canada. Our healthcare has become completely captured by big pharma and, and really politics. And, and because the Trudeau government is in power and is pushing the mRNA vaccines and their production, um, you know, all the healthcare leaders in Canada have fallen in line uh, with this push by the federal liberal government. Um, so really um, people have to push back and, and and push back in any way you can or any way you see fit. You know whether it's uh, contacting your you know local uh, MLA or your health minister or the college, um, or you know leaving printouts in your family doctor's office uh, or sending you know something like this to your family doctor. Please continue speaking out and pushing back, because um, you know the way things are going, um, you know we're not going to be rid of this uh, problem uh, anytime soon uh, unless we continue to push back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is shocking. This thing that you just said about, oh, maybe they should be put on some sort of psychiatric drug or, you know, this is the whole sick push. You know, in 1939 um, is my understanding that it took several years to get to the place where they were, you know, taking the Jews off to, uh, you know, to have them killed. Um, It took several years of dehumanizing, of little things like this, of the star reporting all of these nasty things against the unvaccinated, of making it seem like you're crazy. Oh, it doesn't matter about the facts and and how the facts are showing all of these people who've died, you know, Uh, very, very alarming. And that you're pointing that out. I, I believe we need to turn that into a tweet. I could make so many tweets of everything that you've just said today. You've got quite a few. Um, uh, We've got a whole list of tweets we've got to make of things that you've said. But you're highlighting something extremely important that our society, that the mainstream media combined with the government and the medical um, authorities that are compromised, maybe because they're getting money. I do not know exactly what would make these people behave so horribly towards humanity but it is a cycle and we have got to wake up everyone you've got to share this video uh, Dr. Makis thank you so much and you are on getter now and we we have been putting up your uh sort of call sign on getter everybody you need to get on getter it's fabulous maybe uh Dr. Maccus, you'll be back on Twitter once um the you know Elon Musk has taken it over and a, a lot of people might be back there. But um, people can follow you, and you are putting all of this stuff up onto your page.
1: Yes, correct. And, and right now, um, I have this pinned on my page. Um, I've included the PDF document, which has all 80 physicians, their pictures, and their information. Um, I put a link to my Dropbox so anybody can download it. This is the document that I forwarded to the Canadian Medical Association And, you know, I I actually spoke with Steve Kirsch this morning and he asked me, he said, look, did did the Canadian Medical Association respond to you about this yet or no? And I said, no, absolutely. No one has responded to me, um, you know, whether from the Canadian Medical Association or any of the health authorities in Canada. Um, I've, I've also sent this to the health minister of Alberta. We've had many Albertan doctors who've died Um, I've sent this to the premier of Alberta's office. And so, um, you know, but really when it comes to the healthcare leadership in Canada, um, they are turning a blind eye to this. And so um, I've made the document available on my Getter account. It's pinned right at the top. Uh, It's the first post you see. And, you know, I also encourage people to email me if they want to, macusw 79 at yahoo.com. You know, I happily, you know, respond to my emails as well. And um, so the information is available. Um, Say I that encourage again, It's to... MACUS. MACUSW79 at yahoo.com. Nine at yahoo.com. Okay. And I will continue, you know, I will continue to, um, you know, update this and, and sort of keep track and, and monitor it. Um, I truly hope that at some point, uh, you know, the authorities, you know, will not be able to ignore this anymore. I don't know how many doctor deaths it's going to take. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be hundreds um, before they you know, wake up from their slumber or or if it's going to have to be even more than that. Um, but unfortunately, what I'm seeing in the data is that the deaths are slowly accelerating. It's not slowing down. now we do get a spike of deaths uh, whenever there's a booster shot rolled out. So with the first booster shot, there was a spike. With the second booster shot, there was a bigger spike. But what I'm seeing is that the background rate of deaths that are sudden or unexpected is climbing as well. So these numbers will only continue to accelerate. And, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, the health authorities at some point will not be able to ignore this.
2: Um, you need to, to get on Tucker Carlson. Uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, it seems to me that, I, I mean, he is so bold in coming out on the data and the science behind the vaccines, much more bold than any of the others. Uh, Laura Ingram as well. Um, Hannity took the shots. He's pretty silent on it. But Tucker Carlson is the number one show. And this to me is huge. And so I hope that somebody in the listening audience, I know I have a lot of influential people that are watching. And uh, if they could get you onto Tucker Carlson or even the war room uh, with um, that amazing yeah with Steve Bannon Bannon. yes yeah yeah I think that's huge yeah
1: Yeah. if given the opportunity I would certainly be happy to
2: yeah I actually have a very inside road and uh I'm gonna do a text and i'm going to make sure that they know about this and uh, i'm going to forward the this interview as well and the fact also that's so interesting about the acceleration and it's not slowing down it's not as if this is stopping it and and if they're going to keep doing shots at every three months oh my gosh it's the killing fields really that are coming and so um The other thing too is that the people that have doxxed you or, or like, you know, put a Google shot, earth shot of where you pick up your mail. Like these people, honestly, that's psycho behavior and for actual doctors to be doing sick things like that, um, very disturbing. And I pray God's protection over you and your lovely family and that God will guide you and bring the truth and that actually he will pull back the curtain of deception so you will see every, every lie that the enemy has placed there and, and that all of these evil uh, people that seem to be so blinded by whatever it is, um, that you will find more truths and you will uncover shocking realities that you'll be able to bring to Canada. And I thank you for this very, very much, sir.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Dr. Mackis. Take care. Take care. (sighs) Bye-bye. Absolutely wonderful. Be sure to follow him, everybody. Um, Oh, that is riveting. That is, that is the gold right there. That is riveting material. Um, We need to get this to uh, my friend, who's uh, in with uh, the Bannon show, Uh, Dr. Mackis, a Canadian doctor, a true hero, that his voice needs to go far and wide. Um, I'm going to get it to my own doctor and see what he says. (laughs) Okay. Um, We were going to have Brooke Jackson, um, a whistleblower overseeing the trials of Pfizer, but we are now, um, I've asked Brooke to reschedule. Because we're late in our show. It's going to go way too long. And uh, I also have another guest that I want to get on uh, very quickly then, Waiting in the Wings. And uh, so please be looking for Brooke Jackson, a tremendous story from this courageous woman. Um, And so we'll have her on at a very short time uh, coming. So I want to invite on Brad Salzburg right now. And um, of course, he writes for a publication. And I was absolutely shocked this morning. Hello Brad. Come on in Hello. here. Hello there. Um I Hello. Brad, I w- I just loved your write up. I believe it's from today, is it? On the Shermans?
3: Um the last I put that together over the last 2 days. So okay. it's it's new.
2: Okay, it's new. Yes. It's new. Oh yeah. Um I I want I want to let uh, the audience that has been following me, Brad. I have had yes right way back till since 2000 or you know 2019 or right in there like when it all happened it was so curious and brad the reason that the um the sherman murders were so significant to me was because here they were the um the manufacturers of hydroxychloroquine so that was my initial tie-in because we knew that that Donald Trump mentioned hydroxychloroquine and then uh, everybody went crazy and, oh, it kills you, you know, and I've been taking it for years and years and it's like, who's lying? Why are they lying? That, like, that's what clued me into the fact that we've got some real, we've got some crap going on, right? Then the Sherman murders so they were they were doing hydroxychloroquine and I thought oh maybe it has something to do with hydroxychloroquine then I heard more about a tie-in with them being supporters of Trudeau and there being some kind of scandal there and I could never put my finger on what that tie-in was I had so many people and I'm sorry for this big preamble but I want everyone to understand this is important in Canada um because maybe you can describe as well about the Sherman murders and how they were very oddly murdered in their own home, set up in the pool area. From what I understand, after they were murdered, they were set up in an odd, um, in an odd way. Right? They were. They were. Yeah. Their body parts were placed in a s- certain condition, and um, and it was a very psycho weird murder. All right. So this had sort of gotten to everybody's um, curiosity about the, you know, Barry and Honey Sherman's murders and what was going on. And then this odd tie in with Prime Minister Trudeau and what was going on. And then today I read your report and I want you to just take your time and give us as much background and lead up into so that we can truly understand what you're saying. And I think this is significant. Like that's my gut feeling. I don't know if we'll Mm -hmm. ever get justice, but I, I, I smell a rat. You know what I mean? So take it away, Brad.
3: Well, I mean, the, the gruesome scene that you're describing was in uh, the basement of the Sherman home in, uh, in the greater Toronto area and it was gruesome to say the least actually the real estate agent because their house was for sale at the time uh discovered the bodies as i understand it uh when he was showing a client from china or hong kong the home and uh they went into the basement near the pool area and lo and behold there were the shermans tied up and dead they were dead and, and and tied up in a in a gruesome fashion, and uh, this was the initial discovery. In the beginning, the hydrochloric chloride
2: hydroxychloroquine, yep.
3: That I mean, it was discussed as a potential uh, motive mm-hmm. on the basis that uh, the the um, that the uh, potex. Uh, Barry Sherman's pharma company
2: yeah, was
3: possibly, mm-hmm. Apotex, sorry, was producing a, uh, a cost-effective or cost-efficient remedy, potential remedy for the COVID virus. Now this, you know, in theory would be unpleasant for, as we call it, big pharma mm-hmm. and that industry because they were to pounce on this multi-billion dollar cash windfall. And if that hydroxy product was proven to be effective, that could circumvent Pfizer's and Moderna's uh plans and and all the research and development they had done et cetera, et cetera, and money they had millions they had put into research and development and this could really circumvent uh, uh what they were up to that was posited as a theory for the expiry of Barry and honey sherman but upon closer inspection another idea came up and this was related to the fact that barry sherman was a registered lobbyist for the liberal government so this is an official status right you know and and therefore is subject to the uh federal lobbying commission act
2: okay what does that mean to you know uh, official status
3: Right, it means that they were a registered lobbyist. Basically, they they weren't just a random contributor. Here's a thousand dollars, right? You know, they were an official lobbyist working in that capacity. Now, the the act, the law says that if you donate, you cannot turn around and attempt to influence um, the party. In this case, the Liberal Party in any capacity. You you can't do that. That's a breach of the law. So uh, uh, Barry Sherman was was being investigated by the lobbying commission, uh, and and um, and you know this is this is the this is the crux of it. And and the the case was such that the investigation was such that if Sherman was convicted, it was possible. That under the Lobbying Act, uh, basically Justin Trudeau could be removed from Parliament. Right. So we're getting to the heart of this situation. Right. Again, right. So if- let's
2: just let's let's just make it really easy for for simple folk like myself, because this is fascinating. Um, so, so what you're saying is is that there had been a problem for the Shermans, right? Because yes, they were being investigated, right? For By? for what? For for making too large of a contribution, or
3: no, what? no, no, for attempting to influence um, a political figure or the Liberal Party or the leader of the Liberal Party, the Prime Minister, attempting to influence them politically while at the same time donating money as a registered lobbyist to the party this constitutes a conflict of interest and is subject to to the law and to punitive damages based upon that but also the in this particular case the uh, side effect if you will could have been the removal of justin trudeau from office or an inability for him to run again in a subsequent election because these lobbying investigations took place at the sherman home in i believe december of 2015. it was late 2015 but this didn't come up until 2017 upon which uh these Shermans were, were, were murdered. And, uh, and there are other interesting points I could tell. you. Yes, yes.
2: And, uh, you know, Brad, if you want to pull your phone back a little, because you look pretty intense with it. Yeah, there you are. That's better. I'm sorry. That's no, that's better. This is really intense. So, uh, you know, having, having uh, your face right up to it, uh, it makes total sense. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Yeah, that's okay. There we go. Um, So, 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 yes, so if there seemed to be some sort of problem with what the Shermans had done and investigating all of this, it could mean that Trudeau would be in a lot of trouble and even lose his seat, right? right?
3: That is potentially theoretically, that is the case. Yes. Once, once uh, Barry Sherman was eliminated from the picture, that was no longer the case. He's gone. You can't convict him, he's, he's passed away. I mean, the, the whole thing went away. And in fact, here's an interesting point, which I didn't realize until I began researching the current article, because I've written about this topic a number of times, uh, that according to the information, the PMO, the Prime Minister's Office, fired the um of the um, lobbying commission, the the chairman or head of the lobbying commission, uh, the day, the day the Shermans died. Isn't that
2: interesting? On
3: that day, on that very day, Trudeau, as I understand it, as the information suggests, you know, he called the lady, can't recall her name, it was a woman, uh, and said, you know, and, and another official, the um, ethics commissioner official, both of them were relieved of their positions and a new people were appointed on the day the Shermans were found dead.
2: Wow. That's quite the coincidence.
3: It is quite the coincidence, isn't
2: it? I mean, who knows what we're to take from that? We don't know, but that's odd. Let me- let
3: me, let me just read you a very short sentence here that, that I think will solidify this. A conviction for violating the Canada Elections Act Section 502 meant Justin Trudeau would lose his seat in the House of Commons for accepting prohibited gift or other advantage. That's what the law says. So, again, once Barry Sherman was removed from the picture, uh, the problem went away. Mr. Trudeau could run again for Prime Minister in 2019. The death was in 2017, so it was about halfway between his first term, which began in October 2015, and, and the next election in the fall of 2019. Uh, basically, this scandal and conviction could have destroyed could have destroyed Justin Trudeau's political career.
2: That is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, Brad, I just want to say I appreciate you as somebody who's always got, um, you, you've always got the most interesting angles and the most interesting facts kind of hidden and you bring it out into plain sight. And I really believe that is a gift that you've had over and over and over again. Uh, the things that you have reported on um, have... Have been found to be truthful, and even though you're well, sometimes ahead of your time in reporting something,
3: I, I I appreciate that. I think there's there's a reasonable amount of truth to that, and you know I've discovered one thing about the way government and media work in Canada. Um, what is truly important is always delayed until the truth would no longer impact the situation. So in other words in this case, we may well hear the truth one day, possibly, we we may not. But you can bet that if it comes out, it'll be after the f- point where Justin Trudeau can be affected in any manner legally or or otherwise, mainly legal, well, politically in terms of his career. So you know, there's 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 uh, there's protectionism going on here. It seems to me, um, and you you know, let's let's and let's just apply some basic common sense now. Beyond these facts, uh, the over a hundred officers were assigned to to the uh, research the uh, murder of Barry and Honey Sherman, and it was uh, printed that a thousand hours or something like this have invested of time and energy were put into this um, to the investigation the authorities came up with a grand total of nothing there's never been a lead there's never been a a suspect I'm sorry if the screen's going out here a bit I don't know why that is Um, there's never been a suspect there has been nothing there is nothing and there's gonna be nothing for as long as this government remains now well, isn't it, it is true that
2: yeah, i'm sorry it is
3: true that just one final point on this it's true that barry sherman had a lot of enemies but you know he had enemies i mean it was no joke uh so this you know that we are discussing something um theoretically or 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 that has a possibility of being the truth uh The evidence.
2: Didn't they try to label it? it? Didn't they try to label it a a double suicide or something?
3: They may have done that initially, but in my opinion, it was no such thing. It was.
2: No, it it wasn't because the family, um, from what I understood, because I read every article I could find on this, and there is a book written about this brad uh there's a fellow i mm-hmm. even tried to contact him to see if he would come and share what he, kn- he knows but kevin donovan and he's written right. a book on on this whole thing but the it was the family the kids that said mm-hmm. no they did not commit suicide this wasn't a murder suicide or a double suicide and they were placed in that odd yeah. you know position
3: mm-hmm I think, you know, the interesting thing about the case is that once the Shermans were gone, the case was closed. I mean, the RCMP RCMP closed the file officially. Mm -hmm. The family, you know, that part's a little bit sketchy as to whether they, they... Actually, wanted the, the case to be closed, according to the media and you know our Canadian media. The family wanted it closed. The RCMP wanted it closed. It was a uh, you know it was just if a, my parents were murdered age. and
2: left in a terrible position, I w- I would just want yeah just shut it down. Don't bother looking for who did this. Yeah, it makes right. total sense.
3: And um, you know this this thing is. It's just—it's such a shame. I mean, I was listening to you and and uh, the the doctor speaking about COVID. Uh, that's a nightmare. You know, this is just a, a slice of a nightmare. You know, it's 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 indicative of the society yeah. that we live in. It's it's indicative of of uh, pharma control and political manipulation and big money, billionaire pharma uh, producers of which Barry Sherman was so. You know, we're, we're we're, behind this is the truth behind. This is the truth. And it's a truth that I believe we will never hear from mainstream media in Canada.
2: Right. Wasn't it Trudeau after all, Brad, as I let you go, wasn't it Trudeau who said, of course, um, they're saying everything I want them to say. I'm paying them basically a lot of money. He's paying them. The government is paying the, the complicit. MSM, who are losing their numbers in droves because nobody believes a word they say. They know they're not getting the truth. It's all, we're living in a, the biggest PSYOP of all time. Honestly, I, something's very wrong.
3: If if I had to make a quick comment on this, yeah. it is my, my, personal opinion that after and after following uh, the antics of the trudeau government pretty much every day for seven years that the all the conflict and consternation within society if we could relate it to to a simplistic issue is because justin trudeau is transitioning canada away from a free and democratic society and toward a neo-replication of communist China, communist Cuba, and the communist societies, which he and his families most admire. I mean, that that's what I see beneath the surface of all this craziness.
2: I I absolutely agree. And Brad, you're a tremendous guy. Thank you. You know, you've Thank had to you. take your own hits for the truth that you yeah. tell. And I just want to sure. say, you're courageous, and uh, I just think the world of you. Thank you for putting yourself out there to tell the truth, and may God bless you in every way for the truth that you're telling. You. Can you give us the the site where you um, are are always sharing this? I know it's CAP.
3: Yes, it's uh, www.cap4canada. So Cap. it's C- number C A P. No. Yeah. F-O-R Canada.com. W for Canada one word dot com.
2: Excellent. We've got it right there There because my amazing producer is so fast. All right. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate (laughs) you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on so so quickly today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wow, what a show, huh? I'm pumped. I could go on and on, but I'm gonna let y'all go. Thank you very much for being here. My name is Laurelyn Tatter Thompson and my website is Laurelyn.tv. The reason that we do this is so that uh so that we can share the truth at all times, um, in all ways. We can speak the truth, uh, and we sure do try to do it with love, but sometimes we speak the truth in shock. Because the truth is so shocking right now, is it not? And so I appreciate uh, all the support that you lend if you're able to help us to do this, um, to, to keep it going and to actually be able to eat and all of that. Uh, appreciate if you're able to help us with that. Thank you very much. Um, I am grateful for you. Uh, my email is at protonmail.com if you're able to send... Um, to send a knee transfer that way, you know, um, I just, I want to say that days like this make everything we do worthwhile to have the truth, literally shatter the darkness, to have the light of the truth, shatter the darkness, because since I've been, you know, come out and I faced some losses and all of that, you know, in, in, in my life, the thing that gives me, um, the joy and the strength to go on is that we get the truth out there and to whosoever will hear let them hear whoever will see let them see and we all know some people are not going to see so i want to leave you uh with this um this scripture oh shoot my page just changed what happened that is so funny i ha- i had a page and then all of a sudden it's something totally different i must i must not like knocked it all over. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you to all of you, and and even just for your prayers, um, for your prayers for me. Appreciate it very, very much. Um. All right. Oh my goodness! I had my. Don't hang on. It's really good stuff, JG says. Oh, wow. All right. Well, let's go. All right. So, Psalms 28 says To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your most holy place, do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done. And bring back on them what they deserve. You know, God's the only one that's going to be able to bring the judgment that is deserved by the wicked. And it's not even our role. It's God's role. He is just and his judgment is pure. And although there have been times in my life when I've said, God, I wish you would deal with that. I have lived to see that in his time and in his way his justice is always done he is a God who sees everything all the lies all the slander all the attacks he sees it all and he's the defender of the righteous he's the one we can put our hope in so when we see that rulers do not seem to have to account when evil seems to go unstopped, unchecked. In a way, it's not our problem. We expose the evil works of darkness, but it is God's job to judge. So because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, Do you have regard for the deeds of the Lord I put everything I have in that I have a righteous and holy fear of who God is not just the lover of my soul but a God who judges sin and evil and he judges us when we are in the wrong and he brings us to account as a father who loves his children. But in the day when he says justice will be done, it shall be done. But those who have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. We are about to see a new season God came as a God of love to pay the ultimate sacrifice when he sent Jesus. But the word of God says when he returns, he returns as a conqueror. He returns as the lion, the lion of Judah, who tears evil down and it is never rebuilt. Amen. Praise be to the Lord for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Oh, I really like that. That I put my hope in Him and I put all my strength in Him. And I can trust Him and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise Him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Amen. Amen. I've loved being here with you. Thank you for being here with me. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support.